0: Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday sermon series, Vitals. We'll hear about some spiritual essentials needed in our lives for growth and greater relationship with God and others. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Got into this or getting into this new sermon series which is called vitals we just started it last week how many remember last week the the vital with encouragement right we want to encourage did you encourage somebody this past week and that's what we want to do i believe that there are essentials that are key a key ingredients that i believe that help a christian grow and develop in their walk with god not actually get closer in their relationship with the lord and so this is why we're calling this particular series Vitals. And last week we talked about how it's very vital that Christians encourage each other and they receive encouragement. And, of course, we also kind of did a parallel to what uh, what happens when you go see a doctor. Or if you're not feeling well and you go see a doctor, uh, one of the first things that they do is they check your vitals. And they want to make sure that your your vital signs are uh, in good order, your post rate, the post of your heart, and then your blood pressure. If you got high blood pressure, all of those things, we want to make sure that your blood pressure is good. Otherwise, uh, uh, high blood pressure can cause damage to certain arteries. I'm not a doctor, but just kind of telling you that. Uh, your respiratory, your, the way you're breathing and all of that, and then your body temperature, uh, they, they put a thermometer, the last service, I said they put a thermometer in you, but no, they, they put a thermometer in your mouth, not in you. That's when you're a baby. So hopefully they don't put it in you. Uh, but here uh, you go and they check your temperature and make sure all of that, uh, those vital signs are are in working order, and, and all of those things uh, give us that you are good. And there are spiritual vitals that help you in your walk with God. And last week I talked about, uh, again, being encouraged. And this morning, I'll tell you in just a moment what I'm going to talk about. But before I do that, I, I, wanna, I want you to be honest. I'm really curious, and I need your participation, okay? How many would say that God has blessed you? You say, God has blessed me. Just raise your hand. Well, most of us here. All right. Then I'm going to take it a step further, okay? I just want to add your participation. How many would love to even be more blessed? Raise your hand. Okay, most of you. Okay, you guys are are honest. And when I say more blessed, I'm not just talking about financially. uh, But again, more blessed with God's presence in your life, more blessed in your relationship with your family, and relationship with other people. All of those things are part of the blessing of God. And this morning, I want to talk about one of the vitals that I believe that are critical for Christians is generosity say generosity. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about generosity, because I believe that is the key essential for every believer to learn generosity. In fact, I was reading a story of a 67-year-old carpenter by the name of Russell Herman. He died in 1994. And he made out a will, and it was staggering, uh, the, the will that he made out and all of the money where it was being donated. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some of the requests of where he wanted his money to be donated to. Um, part of it was to be $2 billion to the city of St. Louis, another billion and a half for the state of Illinois, $2.5 believe this, for the national forest system. And also, Herman put $6 trillion to the government to help pay off some of the national debt. I mean, this sounds amazing, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds amazingly generous. The only problem is Herman Only's asset was a 1983 Oldsmobile. He made a lot of promises, but he didn't have any money to back it up. And so his generosity, how many understand that you could be generous, but, but you got to have something to back it up. And this guy was awfully generous in his words, and his pro, but they were meaningless when it came to actually having something. You can't give away what you don't possess. Am I right? And so I'm going to read you a verse of Scripture that I think is really, really good for all of us to get. And this is Jesus' words in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, and they're quoting the Lord. It said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Most of us know that. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So I want to pray and ask the, the Lord to help us as we dive into this message. Father, we thank you for the word of God. It is so powerful and it's so true. And, Lord, it applies in 2019 to every facet of our lives today. We just pray that you'd open our hearts and our minds. Let the word transform us. Let the word change us from the inside out. And, God, remove all the distractions that weigh on us right now, all the worries and anxiety and things. the Lord, you'll just remove that. Help us to give you our 100% undivided attention. I pray for the anointing of God and Lord that the people would hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name and the people said, amen. Amen. So Jesus says, if you want to be more blessed, you actually are more blessed by giving than you are receiving. And that's actually would be a, a opposite of what most of us think. Most of us want to be on the receiving end, not on the giving end. We said, man, I would think in my own philosophy that if I just received more, I would be blessed more. But actually, when we get into the word of God, you're going to find the more generous you are, the more blessed you'll be. And it's so powerful when you learn the spirit of generosity. It's so vital in every Christian's life that we learn generosity. In fact, they say that Americans are more generous than any nation in the world. And it's very possible they said when there is a need and there's a crisis, it seems like Americans are willing to step up. And I'm talking about these, uh, many non-Christians, many non-believers, they're willing to step up and give money. And we And That thing came up, what was that? GoFundMe, when that came up, uh, people started giving to that when there were certain needs. Of course, we know there's been several different scams, but but also there's been those that have been really legit where people step up. And they give, or maybe even help other nations. So there's something in that generosity. In fact, there's a book written on generosity that's not written by a Christian at all. Written by a lady who is a, a, a CEO of a company. She said, uh, "For the power of her uh, of her wealth has been generosity." And so she talks about how to be generous with your money and how to give to. Uh, charitable organization. She's not even a Christian, and she's encouraging other CEOs and other companies to learn the spirit of generosity. One thing that I've always been blessed in, and again, uh, and and it's actually taught me how to bless more, is I've gone to places where, with my wife, for instance, I've gone to eat dinner somewhere with my wife, and we arrive there, and usually... I know somebody, there's usually somebody that will say, hey, Pastor Omar, and I say, hey, how's it going? I don't know your name, but how, hello, good to see you. I've actually had conversations with people for like 10, 15 minutes, and I didn't know their name. And, and I felt bad, but you know, they're pouring out their heart. How can you say, and what is your name, by the way? And so I just didn't have the heart to say it. Uh, and part of that is because I minister in different places, and people know me in different churches. Usually if there's somebody here, I'll know your name and all of that. But back there, when I minister somewhere, I don't know everybody's name. But anyway, I, I go to this restaurant, and I'll say hi to somebody. And my wife and I will have dinner. And and it happens every so often where I'll ask the waiter, can I have the bill? And they'll come and say, no, somebody else already paid for it. And so I mean that's a blessing, and I just say wow, that's pretty cool. And I realize it's probably the person that said hi-, hi to me, or someone you know that that knew me or whatever. And so I've learned too that if I go to places, and I've often done the same thing where I bless and I paid for somebody's meal. Uh, what what was that movie? Pay it forward. Remember that. And and it really was teaching you the spirit of generosity to be able to, or you ever, they did that at Starbucks where you pay for the guy behind you, whatever the guy, and then they pass it on. And it's really awesome because they're it's teaching us all a spirit of generosity. And there's something in that, that if we'll have that and we'll get a hold of that truth, that the Lord will bless us. So all of us want to be more blessed, right? Say more blessed. We all do. And so Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so the key thought or the key essential to a blessed life is the heart of generosity. In fact, Proverbs says this, Proverbs 11:24. 24, and most businessmen read the book of Proverbs because of the wisdom that they get. It says, one man gives freely, yet gains even more. Now, that doesn't make sense. The more he gives, the more he gains. Another withholds unduly or unjustly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So the scripture really would contradict many people's philosophy in life. They would think, well, the more I give, the less I'm going to have. But in fact, the scripture says the more you give, the more you're going to gain. In fact, the one who withholds, in other words, he has but he withholds that poverty will come his way or the blessing of God doesn't follow that man. And then it says, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And we've heard the, we've heard the quote, what comes around goes around, right? So when, when you bless other people, that blessing returns to you. That is actually scriptural and spiritual, and we, we miss the spiritual principle in generosity. Uh, there's another verse of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly or plants sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever plants generously will also reap generously. Now, this is a farming term. When we talk about sowing, he's talking about sowing in the ground or planting seed. Of course, we know if if you're a farmer and you plant a few seeds, you're only going to get a small crop in return. But if you plant many seeds is what he's saying, then you're to expect a larger harvest. And then it says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. And then it says, each man should give what he has decided to give or what he decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly, in other words, don't give with a bad motive, under compulsion, for God loves what kind of person? A cheerful giver. In fact, the Hebrew translation means a hilarious giver. I mean, when it's time to give, you're just falling out of your chair laughing so hard. I mean, you're just that kind of a giver. I've yet to see that, but we're believing God. One day we will. And someone giving, but the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. In fact, in the Old Testament, many times when it came to giving, they, they had what they call a giving party. I talk about a giving party. Hey, we're gonna get together and we're gonna give an offering to God. They had feasts in which they had these feasts and they would, they would receive an offering and give it to God. So there was something powerful that happens. And so, and then in verse eight says this of, of 2 Corinthians 9, and God is able to make all grace Grace meaning favor abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So it says all things, all the time, all that you need abounding. And in verse 11 says, and you will be made rich, what, in every way. So we're not talking about just being rich financially, but rich in other ways too, uh, health, materially, uh, your marriage, uh, relationships around you, all of that makes a person rich. So we're supposed to be generous, not just to enjoy it for ourselves, but also to release that blessing to others. It says so you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So as you give and as you bless others and as you bless God's kingdom, that is going to result as a thanksgiving. You're giving thanks to God. Imagine that you become so generous. Listen to me. Imagine you become so generous and so blessed that your generosity affects people not only here but around the world. And literally, I will say that the generosity of this church not only affects this church, but literally around the world. Our church supports several mission works that we give. We give to uh, a work in Ethiopia, which is part of Praise Chapel. Uh, We give to Praise Chapel, Ghana. We give to our church in Ensenada, Templo de Alabanza in Senada. We also give uh, to Colombia every month. We give faithfully every month. We don't miss every month. No matter what comes in, we support these works. We give to Romania. And so, again, we're giving all every month faithfully. We want to give beyond just us, beyond the four walls. Am I right? I think last year, our church, we totaled it up. It's like $42,000 to missions. Isn't that powerful? When you just think... And I believe part of the blessing of of that, uh, part of that blessing that we have here is because we give beyond the four walls. It returns back to us. And I try to tell pastors all the time if you're just taking uh, or receiving the finances just for your own church, uh, you're not giving beyond. I'm telling you, you're missing out on a greater blessing. We're supposed to bless beyond the four walls, not just everything here in the church. And even last week, I think it was uh, Wednesday night. Uh, Paul and Shauna Neville from Germany, uh, our missionaries in Germany, they came. In fact, we support them every month as well. And, of course, they came and they told you, your church supports us every month. And then we received an offering. We just said, hey, let's just do an offering for them. And $1,000 came in. Wasn't that a blessing? So they're going back to Germany in a week or so. And so we wanted to make sure to help them any way we could. We wanted them to have, a, a be blessed by our generosity. And so why are not, if, if being blessed, if it's more blessed to give than to receive, why are not more people generous? Or I should say, why are not more people more blessed? And I read this quote, you can give without loving, but you can never love without giving. And some of the greatest, uh, or the greatest love that we've ever received, is from God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And so God gave His best. And so God is the example of giving. And He wants you and I to have that giving in generous spirit. Now, a couple of things here. I'm going to kind of point out. There are three types of people, and three types of people in the world and that have a different types of mentality one of them is the bag mentality or the bag mindset say bag mindset and you may say what in the world is the bag mindset these are people that just don't seem to have enough they simply have this bag of money And they put their trust in their bag of money, and they just don't seem to ever have enough. In fact, Haggai chapter 1 verse 6 says this, You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You close yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put into a bag withhold. It's the bag Mindset. You got a little bag, you fill it up with income, and it just seems so hard. No matter what you do, it seems like you don't have anything left over. Whatever seems to come in seems to go out. When you have a bag mentality... You'll always never have enough. In other words, you're putting your trust and you're putting all your, your eggs in just this one little bag and saying, you know, uh, I'm just going to trust in this. This is all I have. And it's a bag mentality. And what happens is, well, I'm, not, I'm afraid to give. I'm afraid to, to have generosity. i got to take care of this little bag. And, and it seems like you never have enough. All of a sudden, your, your, your transmission goes out in your car. Your AC breaks down and you say, man, see, I can't get enough. And, and what happens is this mentality gets a hold of us and it keeps us from being generous and it causes us to be afraid and causes us to be uh, hesitant and we have no faith and we have this scarcity mentality. We have this scarcity mentality where we trust in the bag rather than in God. Can you say Amen. In fact, the bag mentality, we could even go all the way back uh, to when Judas followed Jesus. The Bible says Judas was the treasurer. He was in charge of the money bag. But yet the Bible says he was so caught up in that bag of money that when a woman came in with this alabaster box or this alabaster bottle and she broke it over Jesus, the Bible says that it was so expensive, it was one year's wages. And when she broke it over Jesus, it was a, a spirit of worship in how she did it. And the Bible says that it was Judas who got mad. And he said, man, what a waste. And he, he said, he said it's a waste. We, should, we could have used that money. We could have given it to the poor, but look at what the Bible says in John 12, verse 6. He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So we see that he had this uh, bag mentality that even the bag that they had for the ministry, it was Judas who was reaching into it because he had the wrong mentality. Many of us would say, well, I love to give to God. I would love to be generous, uh, but, you know, I got to buy school clothes. You know, the economy is not that good. I don't have a great job. Uh, You know, I'm saving up for my kids to go to college. And I understand all those things, but you cannot get the bag mentality. It would hold back the blessing of God. Now, some of you sitting out there go, man, I picked the, the wrong day to come to church today. <laughs> I, I want to encourage you this morning. Honestly, I, I want to teach you something because I believe there's power in what I'm saying, not because I'm saying it, because it's the word of God. I, I want to teach you something to realize the generosity. If you can get a hold of this spirit, you will be more blessed than you can ever imagine this morning. And so uh, if it's your first time here, I don't preach this every week, okay? So this is not something I do every week. In fact, I can't remember the last time I even talked about generosity. It's been a long time. But I felt that if we're really going to be honest about what's vital, this is one of the vital things that we need. We need generosity. When Christians can learn the spirit of generosity, it breaks so many things in your life. So I'm going to have Sister Annie. She's going to come, and she's going to share... A little bit about how God has helped there in generosity.
1: Hi, my name is Annie and I want to thank Pastor Omar for giving me the opportunity to share about my journey with God as it relates to giving. So thank you, Pastor Omar. Uh, when I was a teenager, I heard a sermon um, from my old church that failing to tithe was equivalent to stealing from God. That put such a fear in my heart that I remember going home to calculate how much I owed God and backtracking as far as possibly could to tithe all my allowance money which was really a modest amount because at the time our family wasn't well off Um, it still gave me peace knowing that I can start fresh from that moment forward God seemed to delight in watching me grow in faith through the various challenges he was giving me in the area of giving I would be sitting in service as a young college student with no source of income and God would often put it on my heart to empty my whole wallet into the offering basket I knew for a fact that it was from God because my initial reaction was always denial and rebellion. Um, However, I still feared disobedience more than anything in the world, so I would obey, only to find that my fear vanished and my love for God grew exponentially with every opportunity to give radically in my own circumstances. Three very specific situations come to mind among many little moments where I was challenged to give more than what I thought I could afford. Um, One was when my family... Excuse me. experience what was our worst possible financial hardship and I felt the Holy Spirit's prompting to give my first paycheck as a, as a full harvest. It was incredibly difficult because the $1,400 could have really helped my family and the situation at home was getting worse even more rapidly after I made that offering. Uh, the second time God challenged me to give was when I was still a part of my old church when God put a specific amount in my heart to bless the very church that sabotaged my family's reputation and really hurt us deeply. Um, And the exact amount was $1,200. By this time, I was working three jobs to support the family. So I had to give $600 in cash and write a post-data check for the remaining amount just to be obedient. The third time God challenged me to give was a few years ago when um, Pastor Kelly came and spoke about our offering being tied to another soul's salvation. I was so broke at the time, uh, but I was anticipating a pretty decent-sized tax refund in a few days, so when I felt a similar prompting, I was not happy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, And quite scared, because even for me, this was by far the largest amount God's ever challenged me to give, and it was $3,500. Um, since I didn't have the money in my bank yet, I gave that amount in advance using my credit card. In every one of those moments, some of the mo- most well-meaning people in my life, all of whom are believers, are, are still believers, told me anything and everything from I was crazy, irrational, irresponsible, to being an unwise steward of finances, which they truly believed was displeasing in God's eyes. And um, if I'm being honest, you know, it that, you know, I in their defense, um, I was struggling financially with a heart. That wanted to give like a millionaire so I can see where they're coming from uh, but rather than waiting patiently to be responsible about my financial situation first it was my personal conviction that I couldn't wait I just didn't have the patience so I started just giving using my credit card because I didn't want to miss out on the blessing of giving and there were times where even I was a little scared because of my irrational actions in giving because if I'm being honest, I was simply operating on this ridiculous faith that I don't know a single person in the Bible who died from bankruptcy or starvation from giving too much. And I can't explain why that was my reasoning, and I still don't, but um, to this day, I still like to operate on that irrational faith. I wanna assure you, thankfully I no longer have to give out of my credit card because because I no longer need to do that, so praise God for that. Um, Um, Amazingly, God responded to my foolishly bold faith by taking me out of a toxic job environment that constantly put me in danger and placing me in a marble-laden corporate law firm where I found favor in the eyes of CEO until the day I left for school. As for the $1,200 love love offering that I gave to my old church, God responded by blessing me with a $12,000 translation project that I was not qualified for which ended up paying off all my debt and putting me back in school. Uh, With the $3,500 I gave to this church, God allowed me to heal, grow, and prepare myself for the souls he had in mind. In the midst of the growth process, he allowed me to also enjoy having a career in the field that I still find genuine fulfillment to this day. Uh, Many people were shocked that I've never even been to New York or Hawaii. Um, Some even asked me what I've been doing with my life. Um, In a world full of globetrotters and influencers, um, I may just be an ordinary person living each day simply grateful I have a job that allows me to sow into the kingdom of God faithfully and take care of my responsibility in life without really being able to afford luxury travels. Personally, I still think there's beauty in being faithful in the basics like giving and tithing and showing up to church every service. Everything seems secondary. When I was too busy focusing on that, one day God decided to take me on a mission trip to Germany, which led to a trip to Poland, then several hours of layover in Russia, a day trip to Switzerland, followed by a trip to see one of my very best friends in England. Um, From an LA bumpkin whose idea of traveling was our long commutes to work in church, Uh, now I've actually traveled through Europe while touching hearts by sharing about Jesus, and making lifelong friendships with those laboring in the field in just a matter of a month at the age of 30. I'm here to tell I'm here to tell you that yes, God is that good. Giving is also my longest secret to staying so deeply in love with Jesus. Scripture is totally right. We put our money where our heart is. Even when it seems scary and irrational, I hope you'd always respond with a yes and see where God takes you. God will never disappoint. Thank you.
0: Wow. you see, you, you can never outgive God. And when I met a- Annie it was uh, was it five years ago or six years ago now? Six? Six years ago, down the street she worked at a hardware store, wasn't making very much money. And here, here I see the Lord blessed her. I'm going to tell them what you do because you probably heard her in her voice. She's a certified librarian, man. And so she it, it, it takes a lot to be a librarian. And so she, uh, she definitely has uh, what a blessing, you know, um, um, the fact that she's a librarian and all of that. God, and you can hear it in the way she talks and the way she wrote all that down. I go, she talked better than me. So you guys got to gotta put up with my vocabulary, my bad grammar. Uh, but, but the second thing that I would say is mo- a lot of us have what we call or we should have a basket mindset. Say basket. So we got to go from a, a bag mindset to a basket mindset. This is the person this morning that believed God wants to give them a lot more than what they have. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 28, it says this, verse number four. Again, it says, the fruit of your loom, no, the fruit of your womb. That's what it says, the fruit of your womb. Not underwear, okay? The fruit of your womb will be blessed. <laughs> fruit of your loom, I, I can't help but say it. Anyway, the fruit of your womb will be blessed, and the crops of your land, and the young of your livestock, your basket, and your knitting trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. I've heard people say that verse all the time. I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. But the key to that blessing is liberality. And it is the joy of being able uh, to give to God. In fact, even Jesus talks about the spirit of giving. And he talks about, again, uh, I'll, let me just read you this verse. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. So when Jesus was talking about that verse of Scripture, again, it was talking about a person that would go out to the harvest or these day laborers that would go out and work in the field, for one of the owners that owned the field, they would go and they would fill their basket of wheat. And because many of the day laborers uh, uh, didn't want to carry, carry a heavy basket, they would just fill it up and then let it go up to the brim and take it in. But it didn't weigh very much. And, of course, they were paid by the basket, and so they would they would make it seem like it was full and go. But the great thing was that the, a liberal owner, many times after they were done gleaning that field, he would allow the poor to come in and say, whatever is left over is yours. You can glean as much as you want. Whatever is left over belongs to you. And so the poor would come in and they would uh, put, fill their bag up and with wheat as much as they could. Because, again, they had to fill up just one bag, whatever they could get. But what they would do, in that, instead of just letting it go, they would press it down and to get more in it. You know what I'm talking about? Have you guys ever gone to like a Mongolian place where they give you that one bowl? <laughs> hey, I do it, man. And you get it, and I get a napkin, and I push that sucker down. Cause it's only one bowl. You know what I'm talking? Don't act holy. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> push that sucker down, shake it up, making sure you get more stuff. And you know, because you only get one bowl, so you make sure you get as much as you can in there. So this is what Jesus is saying. See a lot of you pointing each other you do it. And so what Jesus is saying is fill up that basket shake it up, push it down, shake it up, push it down, so you can get as much as you could, and it would overflow uh, with as much. And so that's what Jesus is saying, that the blessing of God, when you put him first, uh, will be pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. Can you say amen? And so Jesus is saying, we need to have this basket mentality. We need to see that God is the God of abundance, uh, and he is the God of blessing. Uh, And he will bless you above and beyond what you can ever imagine. And again, the blessing is just not materially, but many things around us, spiritually, uh, relationally, physically. All of these blessings flow, and it is linked to the ability to have the spirit of generosity. It reminds me of a story in Luke chapter 9 where this little boy uh, has uh, just two fishes and five loaves of bread. The Bible says Jesus is preaching and it's after a long day and the disciples have come up to him and told him, listen, you need to send the people away because it's getting late and they need to get food. And so Jesus said, you feed them. And they said, there's no way we could feed 5,000 people. We don't have enough money. And so Jesus said, what do you have? And they find this little boy who had the lunch. He had two fishes, five breads. Uh, his mom must have set him up pretty good, and, and you know, they said, we need, your, we need your lunch. Could you imagine the little boy said, man, that's my happy meal. What is up with you? But thank God this little boy, he gave it. He said, here, take it. And the Bible says Jesus got that, that, those fish and that bread, and he prayed and asked the Lord to bless it, and the Bible said It multiplied. It multiplied that it fed all the 5,000 people that were there. In fact, if you read the story, after everything, after they had eaten, there was leftovers, and they went around and collected all the leftovers, and there were 12 baskets filled with fish and bread. Now, again, I don't know, but my commentary would say that they went to that little boy and said, Here's your lunch back. Amen. Here's all these 12 baskets. Wouldn't that be a blessing? He got more in return. Than, can you imagine when he got home, he said, hi, Mom. I got some baskets full of food now. I can feed the whole community because God wants to stretch our faith. God wants us to believe him that, that he wants to bless us beyond what we can even imagine. Part of that blessing is tithing to God. And you may say, what is tithing? It's found in the book of Malachi. Let me, let me read you. A scripture here out of Malachi chapter 3, you might be very familiar with it. says, Will a man rob God, and yet you have robbed me? But you say, How have we robbed you in tithes and in offerings? You are cursed with a curse, the whole nation, for you are robbing me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and test me now. The only place where it says, Test me now, in this, says the Lord if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing that there will not be room enough for you to receive it, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that it will not destroy the fruit of your ground and the vines in your field will not fail to bear fruit says the Lord. So God is saying here that I'm going to bless you. I'm going to pour out a blessing. But the reason why they hadn't received the blessing, because they were robbing God by not giving their tithes and offering. Now, you would say, well, what is the tithe? The Hebrew word for tithe means one-tenth or ten percent. And so the scripture is saying that we're to bring that tithe into God's storehouse, the storehouse being his house. He's saying, bring it into my house. And he's saying, and see if I won't pour out a blessing. Now, we see this tithe back in the Old Testament, but it goes on through the New Testament. I'll show you that in just a moment. But the Bible says even before the law of God ever came to be, the people were already automatically tithing. They gave tithe to God. In fact, when God told Joshua to go in and conquer the ten cities in in Canaan, he goes, I'm giving you the promised land. There are 10 cities you are to go conquer. That first city is mine. One-tenth, that first city is mine, belongs to me. It was the city of Jericho. He said, you're to go and conquer it, but you're not to take anything from it. Not, no cattle, no gold, nothing. You're to just go and conquer it and leave it. That's my city. In other words, you're to give me a ties first. He said God commanded the people when you when your when your calf or your lamb has a, a calf or or when the lamb has a baby or or a cow has the calf, however you want to say it, he said that first one belongs to me. He said, give me the first one, sacrifice it to me, because God was teaching from the very beginning that we're to tithe and put aside that tithe for God because the blessing flows from that and there is a the principle of generosity that is worked through that. And look at what Jesus said in Matthew 23, 23. Again, he encourages us to tithe. What sorrow awaits you, teachers, of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrite! for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herbs and gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. He said, don't forget these things. He said, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important thing, So Jesus is saying we should tithe. That's what we should do. But don't forget justice, mercy, and faith. He said all of that should be part of our walk with God. Now, you may say, Pastor, do you believe in the prosperity gospel? I do believe that God wants to prosper us. God wants to bless us, but not to the extreme where it becomes just about us. You know, blab it and grab it. I want God, you know, I'm going to claim a Cadillac. I'm going to claim all of that, you know. And so I I don't believe, uh, you know, that that's that's what God is saying, that he wants to prosper, is that we're going to have all of this stuff and, you know, everything we ask for, God's going to give it to us. And I don't believe in the poverty mentality. I'm just going to give everything away. I'm I'm not going to have anything. I do believe in the provision gospel. I said the provision gospel. God will meet your need. How many believe that? He'll meet all of your needs. I do believe that. And so we're to be blessed by God, not for ourselves, but we're to bless other people. There is something when we turn around and use that blessing, not just for ourselves, but we use that blessing to bless others. I was uh, uh, looking, somebody posted something on Facebook last night, and it really, man, it really just like, wow, look at this guy. And so it showed this guy, this really rich guy, young guy, you might have seen it, and he's waiting for, the, for this car one, like one of the fastest streetcars that you can buy. I don't even know who made it. It's some kind of unique car. And, and so the guy was filming it, and he said, man, Liz, I want to ride it. So they bring it. They deliver it to him, and he, he gets in the car, man, and, and they just kind of drive it around. It's like, wow, this car is fast. It's amazing. And the guy says, uh, by chance, can I ask you how much this car costs? $3 million. $3 million for that car. So this is what really got me. So I'm thinking, wow, man, this guy is rich. Man, he bought that car. Then they go and pull it into his garage area or this warehouse, and he has like 50 cars, all these different fast cars. I said, what does one guy do with that many cars? He doesn't even. He's so rich, he don't even know what to do with his money. He's just buying one car after another, and that's the that's the person right there that thinks the blessing. Is only for him and not for others. Can you say amen? He's missing the greater blessing of God. So I'm going to have one more testimony here. Where's Rob at? Rob, let's give Rob a big hand. He's going to come up.
2: I just want to thank Pastor Omar for giving me the opportunity to talk about my blessings, I guess, right? So (laughs) it's kind of an awkward one, but I just want to share with you guys. 18 years ago, um, I became a Christian, and I started tithing and giving like that day, and I haven't missed since that day. Okay, but I want to just kind of put things in perspective for you. I was a broke college student. I was saved, but I was a broke college student. As some of us have been there, right? You know what I'm talking about. It's expensive to go to school. You want to hang out with your friends, so you're spending all your money, right? So it gets really tough. But I remember um, towards my my last year of uh, or my last semester of college, um, my friends and I in class we would turn to each other and say, "Hey." Do you find anything yet? You know, talking about a job, because we're graduating in like one month. We everyone's at the same time is looking for a job, and if if you're in a class like in one of your senior classes, you're more than likely you're all going after the same job. And this is back in 2007 and 2008 during the recession. How many remember that, where the economy just kind of took a tank and then the housing market took a tank, and nobody was hiring, and so. Now, you, you know, it just became very tense with your friends, and you're hoping that you're not going after the same jobs. However, I remember I was in a big graduating class, but there was literally only a handful of us that, uh, that actually had a job ready for them when they graduated college. And lo and behold, I was one of them. And God, God was just, uh, I just felt like that was God. At the time, it was a panic mode. I was nervous. I had already proposed to my wife, Carly. And I'm like, dude, I have to get a job because I got to support somebody else too. And uh, it God just kind of came through. And um, during 2007, 2008, that was just a, a big deal for me to actually have a job. And so um, fast forward, you know, I remember having a, a very tough time <clears throat> at a job, um, like like just like two years later. And I would get anxiety every day going into this job. I hated it. Um, it didn't, it paid okay, I was underpaid compared to everybody else at the job, but it paid okay, and I remember just down in the dumps, and I did that for like two years, just walking into work every day, just kind of bitter and upset, like, man, I can't wait till work is over, and I'm not even through the doors yet, you know, and so it was a miserable time for me, I dealt with a lot of anxiety, a little depression at the time, and I remember the whole talk of layoffs came around, And if you ever worked, those of you that work in the corporate world, everyone starts to whisper, right? Like, when is this going to happen? Who's going to get laid off? Is it me, right? So, man, I just remember that was just during the time of of Harvesters Conference, right? So I I remember telling them, like, I need a week off. And it was, like, the worst thing to ask, right, because it's layoffs, (laughs) right? And I remember we had to do the pledge, too, for for Harvesters, just like we do today. And I'm like, you know what, Lord, I'm going to give, and I just hope that I don't get laid off. As much as I don't like this job, I hope I don't get laid off. I don't know what I'd do if I got laid off. You know. And so, fast forward. There's been ten layoffs, ten other layoffs, a total of eleven that I've actually dodged. And through those 10, three of them I've gotten promotions. And I do think, I do think that that's because of the favor of God. Me just not only investing my money, but investing my time in the church. And it's just a blessing. I'll tell you a quick story and then I have to get off stage. Um, There was one time a buddy of mine turned to me and he said, hey, Rob, you're rich, aren't you? I go, what are you talking about? No. You know, I live a single income home. You know I, I, I have two kids. No, I'm not rich. I'm broke, man. You know, he's like, no, no, you're rich. And I'm like, what? And he goes, I go, why? Why do you think that? He goes, well, I see you always going out on the weekends and you're always with your friends. Um, I see it on Instagram, and you got a beautiful wife, you got a beautiful, you know, kids, and I'm like, it just hit me. I mean, he's right. I am rich. It doesn't matter how big my bank account is. doesn't matter how big my savings is, right? I am very rich, and it's because of, it's okay, you can clap. It's because, and I, and I, really, I truly mean this, it's because of my church family, it's because of my, of, of my family, right? It's because of my kids. It's because of my wife, you know, even my parents. And um, I'm just really blessed, you know. And, and sometimes we think that money falls from the sky, but a lot of the times, you know, you're looking for the wrong things because there's tons of blessings falling at the same time. Amen?
0: Thank you. You're a blessed man. Hallelujah. All of us are blessed. You know, when we think about the blessings of God, uh, you know, we said, "Well, Pastor, you're, you're talking about a lot here, man. There's, a, man, how could we do all that?" But yet, you know, we'll go to Disneyland, and that will cost us a lot, and we'll, we'll we'll give to to Target and Walmart and everybody else, and then and then cable TV, and and what what about when you sign your kids up for Little League, man? They, man, you don't care what the price is, and then they then they make you sell candy bar. They don't ask you. You got to sell candy bar. You got you got to work the snack bar, and we'll give our time. We'll give our money. And all of that, but what about the kingdom of God? Isn't that a priority? Isn't that a vital in our life? Uh, there was a, I've shared this story before, but there was a man that came to his pastor and said, "You know, it, it's just too much. you know it, it's just a lot for me to, uh, to give my tithes, to give my offerings, to do all that. I just can't do it." And so the pastor said, "Well, what's the problem?" He said, "Well, I've, I've done the calculations, and if I give my tithes, if I start doing that, and give an offering. He goes, I just won't have enough at the end of the month. Just, it's just impossible. And so the pastor said, okay, I want you to do one thing for me. I want you for a whole month just to faithfully give your tithes to God and your offerings to the Lord every month. or For the one month. And at the, at the end of the month, you don't have enough money. I'll write you a check for the difference. And so that man said, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, don't you trust me? And that man said, sure, I'll trust you, Pastor. So we're going to have Isaac and them do that today. No, we're not going to do that. I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Rudy and Isaac are going to write checks for different. No. So here, here's the key. Here's the key. So, so he told the man, do you trust me? And the, man, and the man told the pastor, of course I trust you, Pastor. And then the pastor said to him, you trust me, a mere man, but you can't trust the God of the universe to meet your need." See, when we give to God, we're saying, God, I trust you. We're saying, God, you know what? I'm putting you first. I'm not putting my trust in man. I'm putting my trust in you. And really, tithe really reveals our heart, reveals what's really inside of us. And see, we need to move from a bag mentality to a basket mentality so that God can give us a barn mentality. Can you say amen? All right. So here's what it says. In Deuteronomy 28:8 he said the Lord will send a blessing on your barn and everything you put your hands to. Now you may say I don't own a barn. Well, you you own a garage and that seems like a barn. You got you got everything stored in your garage but your car, right? You got all If you look at your house, man, that's our barn. I mean, we got a lot of things in there that we don't need. Am I right? got so many things. The other day my wife made me, uh, we we have our our grandbaby coming in two weeks and so... so my wife started, you know, wanting to clean out the spare bedroom and clean out the garage, and I said, oh, my goodness, why? And so before you know it, man, I'm, uh, I have more stuff than I realize. I'm putting everything on offer up. I'm saying, here it is, boom, 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 and, uh, and gave, gave a number of things away. Other things, I said, no, I'm going to sell that, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some income on that one. And, 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 and you be, begin to realize, when you start cleaning up an area, you realize how abundance that we have. How much abundance. In fact, my wife one day told me, listen, I'm going to put all these shirts that you have with the hanger backwards. And we're going to see within the end of two or three months, the shirt that you use, you're going to turn the hanger the other way. Now, the ones that you don't use, you're going to have the hanger this way. And so we're going to see how many shirts you actually go through. So I started using them and thinking, oh, my gosh. And after two or three, I had all these hangers backwards. She goes, you don't need those shirts. She grabbed those shirts. We're giving those away. That's generosity, (laughs) hallelujah. (laughs) She said, see, you don't even use these shirts. See, look at all the hangers are backwards. You never use them. And so it just just amazes us this morning how much we store in our barns, what we have. And yet we're supposed to release that. That's why Luke 16.10 says, whoever can be trusted with little, again, what's in the bag, can also be trusted with much, what's in the barn. Whoever dishonest with the very little, with that little bag, if you're dishonest with much, you will be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches? God wants to give us the true riches. He wants, but he wants to trust us with what we have already. And so this morning, I want to challenge us this morning to be generous. Generosity. Say generosity. Say it again. Generosity. So this morning, I'm going to, like I told you, I'm going to change the service differently this morning. And if you notice, we didn't receive the offering earlier, but we're going to receive an offering. Can you say man? We're going we're gonna to be generous this morning. Come on, you guys can clap loud in that. And so may, maybe you're there and you say, well, I've never tithed before or I have stopped tithing. And I need to start, start today. And so this morning, we, we want to not just hear this generosity, but be able to practice it. And then what I'm gonna do also, I want to pray for blessing on you after we receive this offering, because I know some of you may be uh, you may need a job. Right now, you may be in some financial struggles in your life. Some of you are praying for a promotion, and I believe God wants to promote you. Why 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 can't God promote the Christian? Hallelujah. And so I believe God can promote you. I'm gonna pray for a promotion in your life. God's gonna give you opportunities. Maybe you're maybe you're saying, man. I'm I'm in a dead-end job. I need a better job. I believe God will open up that door. I'm in a job that I don't like. Can I be honest with you? I think it was uh, Rob that was sharing earlier in the earlier service. I was in a job for two years that I hated. You ever been in a job that you hated? I would have butterflies in my stomach driving to to work. And I I worked all the way in San Fernando Valley for two years. I said, God. I hate this job but because I have to provide for my family and I have to pay my bills. I'm working this job, but I don't like it. I didn't didn't like the atmosphere. I felt there was a lot of dishonesty. Uh, The people there were bad. But two years later, God opened up a door. I got a job working here in the city of Commerce. I had so much favor in that job. God blessed me. God gave me favor with the president of the company. That guy would take me out to eat three to four times a week for lunch. And people in, the, people in the company would say, why does he like you? I go, I don't know. The favor of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> and he would say, he would tell me, I buy, you fly. I said, you got it, man. I'll, wherever you want to drive. He would always say, hey, Omar, you buy, I buy, you fly. I said, sure, let's do it. And three or four times a week, he would always go. We'd talk, I'd share, share the gospel with him. Had great, tremendous favor with that man and the whole company there. But, see, I had to be faithful with what I had. Faithful in a little, and God blessed me. God will bless you today. I want to, I want to speak that as we, we prepared this offering, this generosity this morning. And you give what you feel, whatever you feel challenged in your heart. Again, I'm not here to pressure people. I'm here to teach you something. Generosity will change your life. I've learned generosity. I tell you, the most generous person I know is my wife. She wants to give away everything. I mean, just everything. Oh, we're giving that away, giving that away. Hold on a second, you know. Let's give that away, and let's do this. And so uh, I try to take the checkbook away from her because she'll just give it to everybody. And so I say, hold on, you know. But she wants to bless people. But I've, I've done that. You know, I believe God with her, and I've seen the blessing just continue to flow back into our lives over and over and over again. And I believe the blessing will be on you. And so uh, this morning, let's be generous as the Lord has challenged you and say, you know, may, maybe you're, you're what Rob was that, you know, like or with Annie was saying, man, I, I couldn't afford it, but I'm doing it because I'm believing God. See, some of the greatest miracles, if you read the Bible, the prerequisite to some of the greatest miracles was someone that gave. And when they gave, that was the key to the blessing. There's a scripture in the Bible where this woman, she gave, and then the miracle happened because it came from her giving. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at
2: praisechapelparamount.com.